Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This evening we're going to talk about Genesis 44 and 45. We're continuing in the story of Joseph. We're at the point now where Joseph has been running the country for some time. He's been a slave, first in Potiphar's house, and then falsely accused of a crime. He's been imprisoned. He has interpreted dreams for the royal baker and royal butler, and then sat in, J in prison for two more years. And then finally, when the Pharaoh himself had a dream that needed interpretation, he had the opportunity to interpret that dream, provide a plan uh, regarding the interpretation that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And because of that, uh, Pharaoh made him number two in the entire country. He is running the country. And we've had the seven years of plenty. We're in, into two of the years of famine. And during this time, uh, people from outside of Egypt have had the opportunity to come into Egypt and buy food. And some of the people who have done that have been Joseph's brothers. They've already been here once to buy food. Joseph sent them back with food. Uh, but told them they needed to bring their brother Benjamin back and kept Simeon in custody until that happened. But when we left it last, Jacob was not going to allow that to happen. He was willing to count his son Simeon as lost and uh, to leave things as they were. Um, has anyone seen a, a reality TV show, Undercover Boss? Anybody? Undercover Boss? where a CEO of a company goes to different locations and pretends to be somebody else, often with a, with a disguise. And uh, then at the end of the show, the people he's been working with learn who he is. This is not that kind of reality show. This is uh, a reality of undercover brother that you sold into slavery. So, and it's what we're in the middle of tonight. We're going to pick up with uh, chapter 44. Now, I am reading this from the New Living Translation so that if you have a Bible that's something else, like the New King James, you may want to just look at the screen. <clears throat> when his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to his palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into his sack. Then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack, along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and were sent on their journey with their loaded donkeys. But when they had only gone a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch up with them, ask them, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's silver cup, which he uses to predict the future? 
what a wicked thing you have done. When the palace manager caught up with the men, he spoke to them as he had been instructed. What are you talking about, his brothers responded. We are your servants and we would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks? We brought it all the way back from the land of Canaan. Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If you find his cup with any of us, let that man die. And all the rest of us, my Lord, will be your slaves. That's fair, the man replied. But only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go free. They all quickly took their sacks from the backs of their donkeys and opened them. The palace manager searched the brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. When the brothers saw this, they tore their clothing in despair. Then they loaded their donkeys again and returned to the city. Let's pause here. Okay, we're not sure what Joseph's doing right now. He's doing something. But notice that the brothers could have gone free, all of them but Benjamin. None of them did. They loaded their donkeys again and returned to the city, all of them. Okay, that, That's an important point, so we'll remember that as we go along. Joseph was still in his palace when Judah and his brothers arrived, and they fell to the ground before him. What have you done, Joseph demanded. Don't you know that a man like me can predict the future? Can you, can you imagine him sort of trying to not to smirk as he's saying this to them? <laughs> Judah answered, oh my Lord, what, what can we say to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins, my Lord. We have returned to be all to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had your cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who sold the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. Then Judah stepped forward and said, Please, my Lord, let your servant say just one word to you. Please, do not be angry with me, even though you are as powerful as Pharaoh himself. Something in this passage to look at is where Judah says, God is punishing us for our sins. What sins do you think he's thinking about? I think he's thinking about when they sold, when they sold their long-lost brother Joseph into slavery. And let's move along. Judah's speaking here as he says, My Lord, previously you have asked us, your servants, do you have a father or, or a brother? And we responded, yes, my Lord, we have a father who is an old man and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead and he is alone. He alone is left of his mother's children and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, bring him here so I can see him with my own eyes. But we said to you, my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father for his father would die. But you told us, unless your youngest brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. So we returned to your, 
to your servant, our father, and told him what you had said. Later, when he said, go back again and buy us more food, we replied, we can't go unless you let our youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless your youngest brother, unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons, and one of them went away and never returned. Doubtless he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I have never seen him since. Now if you take his brother away from me, and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. And now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him. If I don't bring him back to you, I will blame, bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I could not bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. So as we've moved along and as Jude is talking, he has offered to take the place of his brother. This is the same Judah who had the idea many years earlier, hey, let's sell him instead. The same person, Judah, has stepped forward, has taken some responsibility, has offered himself in place of his brother. Okay. We have changed men. We saw that in chapter 43 when they didn't show anger when Benjamin had been given extra food by Joseph, which I believe to be a test by Joseph just to see what they would do. Judah freely stating that Joseph and Benjamin were the favorites of their father. He, he was, was unreserved about that. Judah offering himself as a slave, as it seemed, instead of Benjamin becoming a slave. So we have evidence so far that the brothers were certainly remorseful, and at least some of them perhaps repentant. They saw that what they had done before was wrong, and then maybe they've lived with it for many years. And, and certainly some of them saw the events that, that were happening as sort of a recompense for what they had done. So now we're going to move to chapter 45. See, we're going to cover two chapters tonight. Joseph could not stand it, could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. Yeah, remember when he met Benjamin previously? He met Benjamin, and then he went into his uh, chamber and wept. This time he's out, he's weeping, 
Everyone can hear it. The servants are talking. They're going back. It's in the Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh finds out. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has ravaged the land for two years and will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. What a thing he's saying to his brothers. He reveals himself. And then he follows that immediately with some perspective that amazes me, that, that he sees that God has orchestrated these events so that Joseph would be where he was. And since that was what happened, he didn't want his brothers to be upset. Joseph is a much better man than I am. I still, as I've mentioned a couple of times before, I would have had ten wells, one for each brother. Maybe I wouldn't have thrown them in the wells, but I would have messed with them. Okay? I would have messed with them all along the way. I would have done it. Maybe I wouldn't have hurt them, but I would have messed with them. Joseph has not done this. Joseph has not done this at all. It, what looks like messing with his brothers was testing. He needed to see what kind of men his brothers were. He needed to see Benjamin. He needed evidence for himself, because he could, certainly could not leave the country, that Benjamin was safe, well cared for, and free. And, and he, he got the evidence that he was looking for, and then he reached the point where he couldn't take it anymore, and he revealed who he really was, and I would have liked to have seen the faces on the brothers when he said that their jaws must have dropped. Because this guy who speaks Egyptian, looks like an Egyptian, is his brother Joseph. It's amazing. Let's move on. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son, Joseph, says. God has made me master of, over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all of your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Let's pause for a moment. We know that Egypt has been selling food to people outside of the country. Joseph sees that this is going to end at some point. He sees the time when the borders are going to be closed and they're going to keep people out who are going to want food because there will only be enough food for Egypt. And, and Joseph needs to have his family inside of the border before that happens. Okay. And Joseph added, look, 
you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I am really Joseph. Go, tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that, they began free talking freely to him. Again, Joseph is a better man than me. Okay, Benjamin, yeah, that long-lost brother, I get that. But to each of the other brothers, he kissed them and he wept over them like they were long-lost, loved brothers. He did not harbor hatred. He did not harbor bitterness. There was no want of revenge. Nothing like that. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Joseph and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt and you will eat from the very best that the land produces. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, take the wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives. Bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. I think Pharaoh had been looking for a way to somehow repay Joseph, who's come seemingly out of nowhere, interpreted his dreams, taken over in planning for the, during the plenty and now during the time of famine and has been managing the country very well. And there hasn't been much that the fair, other than the freedom, which is a great thing, and, and um, that Pharaoh's been able to do for Joseph's family because Joseph really hasn't had a family to speak of. Just Joseph until now. Now Pharaoh can extend uh, some generosity to Joseph's family. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded. He gave them supplies for the journey. He gave each of them new clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. And don't you think he was, as he was doing that, he was looking at his brothers just to make sure that they were okay with it, right? Okay, let's pick up with it. Verse 23, he also sent his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other supplies they would need on his journey. 10 male, 10 female, 10 breeding pairs of donkeys. That's pretty good. So Joseph sent his brothers off and as they, they left, he called after them, don't quarrel about this along the way. And they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. Joseph's the little brother, and here he is. They're leaving. He's saying, okay, guys, don't argue. Behave. <laughs> Joseph is still alive, they told him, and he is governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons, 
Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirits revived. Let's remember, at this point, Jacob was a very sad man. He'd lost his, um, the wife that he loved. He had two wives, and, <laughs> and, but he lost the one that he loved the most. He lost one of his sons, and he'd been afraid of losing the other one over the years. And now he finds out that Benjamin is still okay, but he has Joseph after all. It's wonderful news for him. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. Before, he was saying, don't take Benjamin, because if anything happens to him, I'll die. We flipped it now. Now it's Joseph's alive. I must go see him before I die. So we have some takeaways from the story of Joseph so far that we've talked about before. Trusting God, even through difficult times. And we saw that Joseph had those difficult times when he was sold into slavery, landed in Egypt, not speaking the language, doing the most menial of chores in Potiphar's household. But over time, learning, taking on more responsibility until he's running a household. Running the household, being falsely accused, landing in prison, and then taking more responsibility until he's running most of the prison from the inside, everything but the security, it, it seemed. He trusted God through those times. He trusted God after interpreting the dreams, and he gets to sit in prison for two more years. He continued to trust God. He demonstrates that waiting on the Lord isn't just waiting. I mean, I've known people, it's like, oh, I'm waiting for the Lord, just waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. But waiting on the Lord is not just waiting. Uh, God may have something for us in the future. I've said it before, it bears saying again. God has some things for us to do now until we reach that future place. Uh, learning and growing. So learning God's word, applying it to our lives, learning to follow Jesus day by day, growing in faith, um, taking on new responsibilities, um, doing, because God has things for us to do in the interim. They may be small things, but you know what? Nothing is small to God. Nothing is small to God. Okay. Everything is important to God. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing at that moment in time, then you're right where God wants you to be. And remember that. And forgiveness rather than revenge. I've said it a few times. Joseph was all about forgiveness, was not about revenge, did not do anything to even you know, mess with his brothers. I would have done at least that. He didn't do that. One more takeaway, though. And Joseph was the one who said it. And when he said that God meant everything for good, God meant for good the brother selling him to slavery so he could get to Egypt, go to Potiphar's house, go to prison, interpret the dreams of Pharaoh, end up running the country. He could step back and see the big picture. Um, it's, it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of something. But a bad situation can be used by God to produce results that we 
could not have imagined. Um, I've heard many examples over the years. There are examples in my life. Uh, in particular, that um, I, I'm, a cha I'm a family of divorce, uh, grew up in a family of divorce. I um, have lived with my father and stepmother at the time, my mother and my stepfather. Um, I was married previously and divorced and I have a child. I went through these different things. And um, little did I know that all of those things would prepare me to be um, the stepfather to my oldest daughter and to now be her father. But I, if, if I could not have imagined that in the beginning. But I trusted God at various points to bring me through these things that I didn't understand why they were happening. And um, I, I didn't always make the right decisions at the time, but God was gracious and, and I repented. And I chose to follow um, Christ. Sometimes it was two steps forward and one step back. But um, then looking back, I could see where God had moved and how he had put things together. But we have an example from scripture I'd like to read you of something bad happening and God meaning it for good. Acts chapter 8, and again I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's at the beginning of the chapter, Stephen's just been stoned, and Saul has just, um, he was watching the coats, but he was otherwise approving of it as a Pharisee. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And this church at this time was several thousand people at least. And yet the persecution was so thorough and so intense that it drove the vast majority of believers in Jerusalem out. And that seems like a terrible thing, doesn't it? That if it happened today, it would be a new story. Yet we go to chapter, the verse 4 in chapter 8. It says, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So they were driven out of Jerusalem and ended up being missionaries, right? Who could have thought of that? Well, God did. I am thankful because I am not near the, the person that Joseph was, that I have more things available to me um, I have this church of believers. I have scripture um, that I remind myself again and again uh, of the verses in there because I go through storms of life just like everybody else. People I know in my family do. People in this church are going through storms right now. Um, so I need to remind myself so that I can get through these things, so that I can remind myself that God knows what's going to happen. Even if I can't see how this is going to end up, God knows how it's going to end up, and I need to trust him. 
And sometimes I need to say those very things to somebody else and remind them. I mean, many of us have been Christians for years, but we need to remind ourselves of the promises of God over and over again so that when we are in storms or somebody else is that we know that we can, we can either be helped by the scripture or we can use it to help them. Uh, Romans 8.28 came to mind when I was preparing this, and this is from the New King James. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, and he's talking about people who believe in Jesus, his sinless life, his death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection so that if we believe in him, we will have new life. And we do have new life. Those who believe, those who are Christians, have a promise that all things work together for good. It's not just things that have to do specifically with Christianity. Although that happens, and it's happening now in many parts of the world, but it could just be the normal things that other people go through. It's just that with us, God can use these things uh, to work for good. It's just not always easy to see that at the time. In 2 Corinthians 2, 7 to 9, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So even if things are happening and, and some of the agents of those things are happening are people who don't know God and don't want to know God, God still uses those situations. Uh, they certainly have no idea of it. And maybe we don't at, at the beginning, but we will eventually. Um, it's important to remind ourselves of these things. Uh, the scriptures, like these, their promises, and also the stories. The stories are there for us to learn. And Joseph is an example that we can follow, that we can teach our children. It, it's much more than the story that I learned as a child. So do this. If, you, if you're not in the word regularly, a little bit a day is okay. I, sometimes I... I want to do like a long, quiet time. And then when I didn't do it, I just wouldn't do anything. And uh, what really helped me was to start off by doing a little at a time. Because if you do a little at a time, it's something. And over time, it adds up because it's God's word. And reminding ourselves over and over again of his promises so that we have them available to us. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. 
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.